We are continuing on in our series that we've entitled Ecclesia as we look at the church together. And uh, we're continuing on in that series this morning. And over the next two weeks, we'll be looking at uh, the two ordinances that we as a church believe the scriptures very clearly teach. We are to observe as a church body the Lord's table and baptism. And uh, this morning, we want to look at the Lord's table or the Lord's supper, communion. And so we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 this morning. You can turn there in your Bibles, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And we will be looking at a really a familiar portion to many of you that are here regularly, and that is uh, the passage where Paul is going to bring to remembrance uh, what he received from the Lord to do and to remember. And so we want to look at this passage this morning. Uh, We're going to give opportunity this morning as we go throughout our time in God's word uh, for some response, uh, both during the message and then uh, towards the end of the message, uh, we are going to have a time where we uh, observe communion together, partake of the bread and of the cup. If you did not receive uh, the elements when you came in, the bread and the cup, if you didn't receive that and you'd like one, could you slip your hand up so we know where you're at if you didn't get one? Right in the center here, in the back there. On the side over there. Appreciate it, gentlemen, for passing those out and being on the ball with those ready to go uh, all over our, our auditorium. Thank you. Anybody else? Um, so we, we will be partaking of that together in, in just a little bit uh, as we uh, observe the Lord's table together. And this is really a special time for us as believers in Christ to be together, uh, to remember what it is that Jesus has done and accomplished on the cross. If you're here today and you do not have a relationship with Jesus, if he is not your savior, if you've never trusted in Jesus as your savior, first I want to welcome you this morning and thank you for coming and and joining us. But I would encourage you this morning if you're here that you would really listen to what it is uh, that Jesus Christ has accomplished, uh, what it is that God has done through his son Jesus Christ. Uh, and that you would uh, recognize the sacrifice of Jesus and what that sacrifice brings for those that know him as Savior. And so I really would encourage you this morning to, to listen to God's word. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, we're going to read verses 23 to 26. As we begin this morning, you can follow along. Paul is writing and he says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you, do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also, he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes." Uh, This is a very, again, familiar passage for those of you that have grown up in church or you regularly attend church as we look at the Lord's table and as we would observe the Lord's table together. Paul is bringing to remembrance that which was instituted by Jesus and which was commanded by Jesus and celebrated by believers. And, And we want to look at those kind of three points as we begin together this morning. First of all, the Lord's table was instituted by Christ. Uh, If you recall, many of you would recall in the upper room when Jesus is meeting with his disciples on the night on which he would be betrayed and he instituted the Lord's table or communion. He would introduce 
these elements to his followers there. He would tell them about the coming death that he would experience, and he would tell them that following his death and following his resurrection, which he made very clear to them as well, that he would rise again the third day, that he wanted them to remember. This was instituted by the Lord. Paul says here in verse 23, I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, this was instituted by Christ. Listen, there are a lot of, of what we could call quote-unquote traditions that church or churches observe or follow or do that can be quite divisive. There are a lot of traditions that the church, universal, or the church locally as individual churches might embrace that causes a lot of uh, headaches in arguing, arguing and fighting because those traditions that are being held to are not necessarily commanded in God's word. But this is, this is one of those areas that is a non-negotiable for the church, that Jesus himself would institute this. Jesus himself would call on his followers to observe this table. Jesus would introduce it in that upper room. And I want you to think for a moment, when Jesus was in that upper room with his disciples, when he was there, gathered with them, that night that he would be betrayed, all that were in that room that were observing this table, that Jesus would be instituting this table to, were sinful men. Every individual in that room was sinful. As a matter of fact, every individual in that room, the word of God tells us, would be scattered. Jesus said, all of you will be scattered because of me this very night. Uh, Peter, who was in that room, would shortly deny Jesus three times. Judas, who was in that room, would shortly betray Jesus. And yet, isn't it a remarkable picture that the very night on which Jesus would be betrayed, on the very night where those that were his closest followers would be scattered because of him, would have no doubt, doubts in their mind concerning him. That even following his death, when they would be meeting together in that room, waiting, not knowing what to do, even after his death, when they would be brought word that Jesus was raised from the dead, there would be those that would doubt, those that must see him, those that must know and see with their own eyes that this was the case, that all of those men that would be scattered, that would doubt, that would fear, some that would deny, that on that very night, Jesus was instituting a table that would remind them that it is because and for their sin that he would sacrifice his own body and shed his own blood. You see, we all come together this morning as a church. We all come together in this room, and maybe this morning you do not identify with Maranatha Bible Church as your church. Maybe this morning you do not even identify as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus this morning. But can I tell you what every single person in this room has in common this morning is that every single one of us were in need of a Savior. That every single one of us would rightly receive the title of sinner. And sinners who were condemned and deserving of eternal punishment because of our sin. See, Paul, the same writer of 1 Corinthians that would be reminding the believer of the words of Jesus, is the same author of the book of Romans. And Paul would say, all, in Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It's Paul that would say the wages of sin 
is death. The end result of our sin is death, eternal punishment, eternal hell because of our sin. But it would be Paul as well in Romans 6.23 that would say, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You see, Jesus would be instituting this table And it was a table that was absolutely necessary for every single person who ever walked the face of this this earth. Because every single person who ever walked the face of this earth, including every single person in this room, apart from the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, would spend an eternity in hell. Separated from God. Because of our sin. So no matter what you came in here with this morning, whatever belief... Whatever past, you and I are on equal footing before the Lord. Apart from Christ, we were lost, condemned because of our sin, deserving of punishment. And yet the great, amazing news about Jesus Christ is that just as this table will represent Jesus Christ, the Son of God, would die the death of a cross... Not because, as Jesus said, anybody would take his life from him, but because he would lay it down. He would offer himself as a sacrifice for our sins. That's why that familiar verse to many of you, John 3.16, says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him might not perish but have everlasting life. Verse 18 says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world. The world was already condemned, every one of us but in order that the world might be saved through him. You see, there's salvation found in Jesus Christ and in Jesus Christ alone. This was instituted by Jesus himself. Paul says, I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body. In the same way he would say, this is the new covenant in my blood, instituted by Christ. Secondly, it is commanded by Christ. This is something that we observe because it is commanded by Jesus. Again, there are many commands given throughout the word of God. And and it's, it's something when we read the commands of God, if we truly believe that this is the word of God, and we believe that it originates with God, when God commands something, Almighty God tells us to do something, we should do it. But here we have very clearly, this was instituted by Jesus, but the Lord's table was also commanded by Jesus. Jesus would say, do this. He would say it here, do this in regards to remembering his body, the bread. He would take it and he would break it. He would give thanks and he would say, do this, partake of this in remembrance of me. This is commanded by Christ. He would do the same thing with the cup. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. This is commanded by Christ. This is something that we are observing together in obedience to what God, to what our God has commanded. This is an act of obedience to him commanded by Christ. Number three, it's celebrated by believers. It's celebrated by believers. This table that we will observe today, this partaking together of the bread and the cup is something that should be observed by those that believe and know Jesus Christ as Savior. If you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, 
We would ask you just to, to not partake of the bread and cup today as someone who does not have a relationship with Christ and that you would just observe, that you would just watch as the body of Christ remembers the blood and body of their Lord. Later on in this same passage, Paul would say in verse 27, whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself. Then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Paul would remind even the believer, examine yourself. This is a table for the believer, but it's also a table for the believer that is walking in fellowship with the Lord. And and if you're here today and you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, this is not a table for you. If you're here today and you are a believer in Jesus Christ, Paul commands us to examine our own hearts, our minds, examine ourselves. And that we would be faithfully confessing sin that might stand between fellowship between us and our Lord. That we would be faithfully asking God to search us and to know us. And that repentance of sin and confession of sin would be present in our lives as believers. But it's a special table for the believer in Jesus Christ. As Jesus was in that upper room with his disciples instituting this table, as Paul would now remember it, this was something that Paul was giving instruction from the Lord to the church, to the believer in Christ, that they would remember the body that was broken and the blood that was shed. Now let's talk just for a moment about the elements looks a little bit different right now than what we would typically do where we would have tables set up and we would have crackers or bread that would be present and you'd come and receive that and then uh, individual juice cups that you would come and receive that and, and now we have them together here and as you look at this, these elements that are here, it's simply a, a wafer bread that's here and grape juice. These are the elements that that Jesus himself, when he would be in that upper room, he would have wine and he would have bread. And he would partake of that with the disciples. And as we look at these elements, it's very interesting because these two elements can cause such great controversy when it comes to the Lord's table. And there's a lot of misunderstanding when it comes to the Lord's table and the elements that we will be partaking of today. And what I wanted to do, and we don't have a lot of time to dwell on these, but I wanted to just quickly give you four views when it comes to the Lord's Table communion that people have regarding the elements of the Lord's Table, the bread and the wine or the bread and the juice that are here. There's a viewpoint called transubstantiation. This is a predominantly Roman Catholic view of communion, of the Lord's Table. I previously before coming to know Christ as Savior, was uh, in a Roman Catholic church and participating in Roman Catholicism. And this is the viewpoint that was held, transubstantiation. That's where the elements are transformed into the actual body and blood of Christ. It's a belief that as you're partaking of the bread and of the cup, you are literally eating the body of Jesus and drinking the blood of Jesus. That as it is blessed, it becomes the body and blood of Christ, and that by doing so, you are receiving in yourself a special means of grace. Grace from God, and, and that which would empower you and, and, and bring to you grace from God as you participate in these elements, the actual body and blood of Jesus. Well, there are a lot of scriptural problems with that. One is that we are told that the sacrifice of Christ is a one-time sufficient sacrifice. The writer of Hebrews tells us that Jesus Christ is not to be sacrificed again and again and again. It is finished. 
The work of Christ is finished. His death is finished. It is final. And the results of that are final. Additionally, we do not have the power or authority in and of ourselves to earn any kind of grace or favor with God. We're incapable of doing that. The word of God tells us that we are saved by grace through faith. It's not of ourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, so that no one can boast. You see, it'd be very easy with this viewpoint to partake of communion and think, man, I just earned some special grace with God because I did this, and so I'm good. We have to understand that we're not saved by our works, not of works, the word of God tells us, by grace through faith. The very definition of the word grace is unmerited favor. It's something we can't earn. Do you see the problem here? If the word of God makes it very clear that we are saved by grace the unmerited favor of God, how then can we earn grace? We cannot. You can't. And so there's huge problems with this viewpoint. There's another viewpoint called consubstantiationism. And that's where Christ's body and blood are really present in, with, and under the communion elements. His body and blood are really present in, with, and under. Difficulty again with this is that we're not told anywhere in the word of God that Jesus is to be sacrificed again. Again and again and again, the work would not, Jesus' statement on the cross of it is finished would be a false statement. We're told in Hebrews that as in times past, when there was, when there was the offering of bulls and goats over and over and over again, and the animal sacrifices that were offered over and over and over again, it is different with Christ because his is a one-time sufficient sacrifice. And so there's huge problems with this viewpoint as well. There's what is known as the Reformed view, which is Christ is spiritually present with his people when they celebrate communion. And and listen, this is true not only when we celebrate communion that he is present with us, but he is always present with us as followers of his. He's with us. He never leaves us. He will not forsake us. And there's this final view of memorial view, which is purely symbolic, commemorating the work of Christ on the cross. And and this is what we would believe, that these elements are representative, they're symbolic of the body of Christ that was broken and the blood that was shed on our behalf. This is what Paul was reminding the believer of, and this is what Christ himself would be instituting as he was in that upper room with his followers. The elements very simply are the bread which is symbolic of the body of Christ that was broken for us and the blood, symbolic of the blood that was shed for us. This was absolutely necessary and essential. Isaiah the prophet would say in Isaiah 53, it's by his wounds we are healed. That the Lord would lay on Christ the iniquity of us all. That all we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way, but the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. It would be prophesied concerning Jesus that he would be beaten, that he would be bruised, that he would be mocked, that he would be spit on, that he would be crucified, that his blood would be shed. Without the shedding of blood, there could not be forgiveness of sins. But this is what Jesus Christ has done. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, going to the cross to die on our behalf so that we might have forgiveness And we may not have life. So in a moment as we take these elements, we want to remember this bread representing his body. It can be easy sometimes, can it, to forget that our Savior Jesus 
was 100% fully God, but yet 100% fully man. That he would experience and feel real pain, a real loss, have real emotions. He would experience these things. His body, his real body would be broken for us, would endure so much. He would be crucified. That this body that he had would be offered up to the Lord as a, living, or as a sacrifice for our sins. And this cup representing his blood, the blood that would be shed. The blood that would be shed so that we might have life. So that we might have forgiveness. Truly there is power in the blood of Jesus Christ. Broken for us and shed for us. Those are the elements. So with all of this in mind, let me as, by way of reminder, give us as a church really four reminders this morning in regards to the Lord's table and communion. Number one, the Lord's table is a time of remembrance. The Lord's table is a time of remembrance. I do not know when the last time you as a follower of Christ truly took the time to just remember the sacrifice of our Savior Jesus. Jesus felt it was important enough that he would call on his followers to remember that sacrifice. Paul would institute this. When was the last time we truly sat and thought and contemplated the sacrifice that was given for our sins? Again, Paul said the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. This would be the good news that Paul would relate to the believers in Christ in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul said, I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel, the good news I preach to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preach to you. Listen to what he said. I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. Jesus died on the cross for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. That he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas then to the twelve. This table is a time of remembrance of the death of our Savior Jesus. You know, it could be interesting, can it, for people to say, how in the world could you celebrate death? How in the world could you ever come to a point of remembering and wanting to remember and wanting to celebrate the death of anyone? And here's the answer. We celebrate the death of our Savior because it's only by his death that we have life. It's only by his death and the offering of his, his very life that you and I can have life, that we can have everlasting life. This is what Jesus has done. It's a time of remembrance. You see, we don't crucify again our Savior. It is finished. But this is a time of remembrance for us as a body. It's a time of remembrance for the believer of how it is possible that we have life through the sacrifice of Jesus. That's the only way. That's the only way that we have life. Number two, the Lord's table is a time of reflection. It's a time of reflection. It's a time that we would examine our own selves, the word of God says. It's a time of remembrance, remembering the sacrifice, but it's also a time of reflection that we would look within, that we would pour our heart before the Lord, asking God to search us, to know us. If there's sin, that we would confess that sin, that we would show repentance, that we would turn from that sin. The word of God tells us if we confess our sins, 
1 John 1, 9, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. And so it's a time of confession. It's a time of recognition, isn't it? It's a time of remembrance and reflection because we recognize we needed that sacrifice. We needed forgiveness. What I want to do right now is I just want to pause for a moment and I want to give you a few moments this morning just individually at your seats that we would take just a few moments this morning to remember and to give thanks for the sacrifice of our Savior. And secondly, that we would reflect, that we would look within, that if there's sin that needs to be confessed this morning to our God, that we would confess, that if repentance is needed, that we would confess and and ask God for the strength to turn from that sin and that we would rightly follow him. Just take a moment this morning before the Lord to remember and to reflect. Father, as we remember the sacrifice of our Savior, Jesus, we just cannot help but be overwhelmed by thankfulness, gratefulness for all that you have done. God, I can't fathom, I can't even begin to understand why you in your love, in your omniscience, would desire to love us who were sinful individuals, rebellious enemies, that you would demonstrate your love for us that while we were yet sinners, Christ would die for us. We can't fully understand or comprehend that, but we are thankful, Lord. We give you thanks. Thank you for the one-time perfect, sufficient sacrifice of our Savior Jesus. Thank you for his body that was broken, for his blood that was shed. Thank you that through Christ we have forgiveness and we have life. Though we confess today that we sin, God, I don't know what is on every person's mind or heart in this room, but Lord, I recognize that we need to confess and repent of sin, and so we do that this morning. Forgive us, Lord, for the times that we have sinned before you. Forgive us, Lord, when we keep silent about the gospel of Christ. Forgive us, Lord, when we are not rightly representing you as your children. 
please give us the strength through your spirit, the boldness, the wisdom, the discipline that we need to live rightly before you so that we can honor you rightly. Help us not, Lord, to take for granted or lightly the sacrifice of Jesus. We thank you this morning in Christ's name. Amen. The Lord's table, it's a time of remembrance. It's a time of reflection. And third, it's a time of celebration. It truly is a time of celebration. We can celebrate today that our God has done what we were incapable of doing. Uh, We can celebrate this morning that our Savior Jesus lived a perfect, sinless life. That he, the perfect Lamb of God, would go to that cross, would endure upon himself the wrath of Almighty God. We can celebrate this morning that we have been made alive through Jesus Christ. We can celebrate this morning that he has saved us. Paul says in 1 Timothy that he saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our own works, but according to his own purpose and grace that was given to us in Christ Jesus before the world began. We can celebrate today our Savior Jesus, that death is defeated. We can celebrate this morning the death of our Savior and the resurrection of our Savior and the return of our Savior. Number four, the Lord's table is a time of anticipation. It's a time of anticipation. Again, looking at the passage before us in verse 26, Paul would say, as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Isn't that a great statement? (laughs) That you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. He is coming again. But here's what I don't want us to miss in this. It's a time of anticipation that the Lord is coming. But look at what he says. As often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you what? You proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Listen, you and I as believers in Jesus Christ should be the biggest proclaimers of Christ. We should be the biggest sharers of Christ. We should be the biggest heralds of Christ that we are telling everyone about this sacrifice that has been made. I mentioned this morning, if you're here and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you need to know that today you can have a relationship with Jesus Christ because of all that we've been discussing this morning. You can know Jesus as Savior. The Word of God says that if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you can be saved. For with the heart, confession is made unto salvation. And with the mouth, that confession is confirmed that you believe in Jesus This is what God's standard is. His standard is holiness. His standard is perfection. And we could not accomplish that. But Jesus has accomplished that. Whoever, the word of God says, calls upon the name of the Lord can be saved. If we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart, we can be saved. John 3.16, that great passage that we mentioned earlier, verses 16 and 17, For God so loved the world that he gave... It says that he didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but the world through him might be saved. It then goes on to say, whoever believes in him is not condemned. If we believe in Jesus Christ as Savior, there's forgiveness of sins. Come unto me, he would say. I will give you rest. That's what Jesus offers today. If you're here today and you do not know Jesus Christ as Savior, there's forgiveness available through 
belief in Jesus. That can be yours today. I'm going to ask you when we close, if you're here and you don't have a relationship with Christ, that before you leave, come down front and find me. I'll be right up front and I can share with you today how you can have a relationship with Jesus. And this table can be so meaningful to you as it is to the believers of Christ in this room. It's a time of anticipation and celebration. Well, I want us to take these elements together and so you can open the top portion here to take the bread and I would like to read again the passage before us, hopefully now with a little bit more understanding and significance as we consider the body of Christ that was broken for us. Paul would instruct these believers again in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 23, I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed, that very night where every person in that room would be sinners, that we're in need of a savior, that we're in need of the body to be broken for them, that that very night, Jesus Christ would take bread. He, when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Please take the bread together. You can open the cup. What is actually in this cup is not what is so significant, but what this cup represents is. Jesus, in the same way, took the cup. After supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. There is no longer the need for sacrifice. There is no longer the need for a sacrifice again and again and again for sin. Because there is a one-time sufficient sacrifice that has been made. The blood of our Savior Jesus. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's drink this together. What an incredible table. What an incredible reminder to remember the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Were it not for grace, were it not for the grace of our God, where would we be? Where would we be? We would be lost, we'd be hopeless, helpless, enemies of God, dead in our sin. But because of his grace, we are alive today. We are the children of God through faith in Jesus Christ.